Are you in the market for a new car and considering an electric vehicle? Or are you just wondering what all the fuss is about? We will tell you on this episode of Happily Unmarried. Hi, my name is Daniel. And my name is Danielle. You are listening to the Happily Unmarried podcast, a podcast about adulting and living your best life. In this episode, we will try to understand what all the electric vehicle talk is about, if an EV is a good fit for you, and explain why we are buying one as our next car. Visit happilyunmarried.media slash support to learn how you can support our podcast. <laughs> so we recently brought your Kia Soul into the garage for a smoke check, and they had to do a bunch of repairs, it turned out. And the total cost of those repairs would have exceeded the remaining value of the car, correct? Correct. So economically, it really doesn't make a lot of sense to make the repairs. Yeah. And we also already knew that we have two five-seat cars, and we knew that those most likely wouldn't provide enough space for three adults and two children with child seats. And that is a situation that we will face starting later this summer when our au pair starts. So eventually, we would need to buy a larger car anyway. Right. So after some discussion, we decided that we would not invest that money into my existing car, uh, but instead start looking for a new car. Right. So now one of the questions that we knew we had to answer was, should we buy an electric vehicle, for short EV, or a regular gas car, um, also known as internal combustion engine or ICE car, for short? I mean, you are somewhat of an EV fanboy, specifically when it comes to Tesla. Uh, I mean, you already drive a Model 3. Yes, I do. So... I, on the other hand, was a little skeptical. Uh, I'd heard a lot of things about EVs uh, that made me doubt whether this would be a good choice for us and our family. When right. it was when it was just you and your car, that's one thing. But now we're talking about a car for the for all of us. Right. So let's talk about those. Can you share some examples? Sure. So you know we we discussed this a lot, and you know one of the first things that I think was a bit concerning for me was just how long it takes to charge a, an mm -hmm. electronic vehicle. Uh, I didn't want to, you know, spend a ton of or waste a ton of time, I should say, charging a vehicle when I could be out running errands, doing things that I need to be doing specifically on the weekend. Right. Let me let me address this. When we're talking about charging EVs, there's three different levels of chargers. There's level one chargers, which is basically just plugging in your car into a normal outlet, normal socket. Then there's level two chargers, which is basically equivalent to a washer dryer outlet. So it's 240 volts. And there's level three chargers. You've maybe heard of Tesla superchargers, right? And it's true that on a level one or a level two charger, it'll take a very long time to charge a car. On a level one charger, it can literally take an entire day to get any significant amount of range. On a level two charger, it'll be six hours, maybe something like that, a night to fully charge your car. And most people, when, when they buy an electric vehicle, a level two charger is what they will have at home. So you get an electrician to install an outlet for your car in your garage or in your driveway. So basically, charging a car on a level two charger takes quite a while. So there's this misconception that you drive your car until it runs out of battery, right? Uh, and then you, instead of going to the gas station, like with an ICE car, you then have to seek out the charging station or plug it in at home or whatever. Right. So you mentioned getting a charger installed in the house. So, you know, after discussion and, and understanding that, that we would have a way to charge the vehicle at home... I was able to understand that rather than driving it and then charging it up, we could essentially charge it like you would charge your phone every night, right, pull it into right. the driveway or into the garage, plug it in, go into the house, 
go about your business in the morning, the car is charged. Yes. So you will never have a car that runs out of battery, basically. With a nice car, you have to do that, what, weekly trip to the gas station to fill up your tank. With an electric car, you will have to never go back to a gas station again. So once we tackled the issue of charging at home, my next question was, what about when we go on trips? You know, I I understand that we can charge our car, but, you know, how many electric chargers are there really available, you know, throughout the country if we were to say go on a road trip? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so when you go on a road trip and your car with a full battery has, depending on the car, maybe 200, 250, 300 mile range. Right, And as you approach that limit, your battery runs out and you will have to charge if your destination is further than that. And so there are level three chargers um, throughout the country. And most prominently, there's the Tesla supercharger network. That network alone, they have 1,500 supercharger locations. And there's uh, more than 12,000 charging spots in all those stations. So they're readily readily available on along all major highways and and traffic routes uh, as well as in urban areas. Right. And then we actually got the chance to try one. Right. We got the chance to try one. Uh, and I think the the interesting tidbit here is I have my car since approximately 9 months and I you, I only had to use a supercharger and wait a couple minutes, 20 minutes for my car to charge a single time. And I was more for trying it out. Right. We just decided to stop and get a coffee. Yeah. So we figured, let's let's see how this goes. So the reality is that for most, especially for commuters and people that use their their car uh, locally, a lot locally, that don't have to do a lot of road trips, you will probably never, ever have to go and charge your car anywhere else than at home when you get it get home in the evening. Yeah. And I have to say that I was pretty impressed with how easy it was to charge it when we were on the road um, and that it was conveniently located, you know, near Starbucks and we were right. able to, you know, kill some time while the car charged. I think another, you know, misconception or misinformation I've, I've received was just around the performance of electronic vehicles and comparing it to, you know, say a, a golf cart. Right. <clears throat> so actually EVs perform very well compared to most ICE cars. Primarily, this is because the way their engine, the electric motor, um, is able to transfer torque onto the, the wheels. So with a normal gas car, the gas car needs to spin up the engine to a certain RPM before you can really feel that power. And that's not true for an electric vehicle, that it gets all the torque immediately. So you have instant torque. So when you put down the metal in an, in an electric vehicle, like you get thrown back in your car and you can immediately feel all that acceleration kicking in. There's a lot of videos on the internet of people sitting in Teslas. They refer to it as the Tesla smile, right? When the, when the person puts down their, their accelerator and it's not a gas pedal. <laughs> yes, I refer to it as a gas pedal all the time. <laughs> <clears throat> um, people just you suddenly see a smile pop up in their face and they, you can see how unexpected uh, the acceleration is. Um, so just to give a couple of cornerstone numbers, um, for example, the Model 3 long range. And that's in, what you have? Yes, okay. that's a car that I drive. Um, it has a 0 to 60 time of um, 4.4 seconds and horsepower of 367. If you want to look at the performance spectrum, there's a performance Model 3. Um, that has a zero to sixty time of three point two seconds and horsepower of four hundred seventy three, and that zero to sixty time is quite significant. And then you can get the performance Model S, 
and that's basically at the moment the best performing uh, Tesla that you can buy. Um, and that has a zero to 60 time of 2.4 seconds um, and the total horsepower of 600, uh, 762. Clearly, Teslas perform well, but what about other electronic vehicles? One other data point for an example, the Chevy Bolt has a zero to 60 time of 6.5 seconds and uh, has 200 horsepower. So that's more comparable to maybe a Toyota Camry or something like that. Sure. And I mean, again, this was kind of a miss information or, a, or this this was a misconception for me uh before uh, myself driving an electric vehicle i mean my current little kia is the little engine that could that baby can barely get up a hill <laughs> so uh putting the pedal to the metal uh in your model three was definitely is it's it's a fun car to drive yeah so then one other thing too that kind of relates to you know, having to charge while on road trips was how many times am I going to have to charge it? You know, I remember hearing something a while back, you know, you could only go 50 miles in an electric car before you had to pull over and and charge it. So a lot of the plug-in hybrids, the battery has a, has a, they have a battery only range of like 50, 80, 100 miles, something like that. But if we're talking about battery electric vehicles, the, Modern cars today, they start at a range of 200 miles or more. So Teslas outperform most other electric vehicles in range as well. But even non-Teslas can easily achieve 200 miles or more. So my Model 3 long range has a range of 310 miles. Um, The long range Model S has a range of 370 miles. So realistically, what you're saying is we could get from San Francisco to L.A. and only have to charge our car once. That's correct. So for for the vast majority of people, the range that electric vehicles provide these days is more than enough to cover their daily driving. Um, Most people don't have 100 miles commute one way. For most people, this will be enough to commute to work and back. Uh, as well as run any errands and whatever in the evening that they need to. And then they just park the car, plug it in, and the next day it's back to full charge again. And then I think the, I don't even really know how this came to be, but this idea that an electric vehicle is worse for the environment than than a standard vehicle. Yeah. Um, so this is important, right? Because... For a lot of people, buying an electric vehicle, one of the main reasons they do so is because it is better for the environment. And so if it was true that it wasn't, right, that would be a big bummer for a lot of people. Um, And there have been some studies that come to the conclusion that electric vehicles have a worse CO2 uh, carbon dioxide balance than gas cars. And a lot of these studies... They are based on incorrect data. They make assumptions that are not correct. I assume that's in regards to the production of the vehicle. So, so there's there's two two main arguments basically. Is a an EV requires more CO two emissions during production during the production process, and so over its lifetime, it it's reduced CO two emission during its lifetime does not offset that again. And the other argument is that when you plug in your EV in the evening at home you are basically pulling power out of the electric grid and that power needs to be produced somehow. And in a lot of areas in this world, it there's a large amount of coal energy in that. And renewables are a very small percentage of that. 
So basically, you're powering your car with a coal power plant. Got it. All of that said, um, there are more recent studies that clearly show that this is not the case. Um, So even if you put the worst electricity that you can buy in in a public grid in the U.S. into your car, it will still burn uh, better than a gas car, right? In addition to that, the... The production CO2 emissions of an electric vehicle are slightly higher than that of a gas car because the batteries require, um, the battery production requires a lot, but it's only very little and the reduced CO2 emissions during the lifetime of the electric vehicle far offsets that. Right. I will leave some links in the description below um, to those studies and rebooks of those studies. And then, so I think the last thing, and this is probably the thing that held me up the most, I mean... Guys, I drive a Kia Soul. That, that car's like $15,000. New. <laughs> yeah, brand new. Everyone. <laughs> Not currently. Um, was just the expense of an electric vehicle. And that's probably also the best argument. Um, frankly, the cheapest electric vehicle is a mid-tier car. So you cannot buy a $15,000 EV. So I'm not getting an electric an all-electric Kia Soul. Well, actually, they have all-electric oh, Kia Souls. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know what they cost. But I'm sure they're more than fifteen thousand dollars. <laughs> um, but the Model Three starts at approximately thirty-six thousand dollars. The Chevy Bolt is, I think, in the same range. That is not cheap, right? But it is approximately in line what Americans, on average, spend on new cars. Um, so it's not completely out of the range of possibility. Right. And obviously, you can spend significantly more on an EV than that, um, like any other car. Right? Sure. Just goes up from um, there. <laughs> right. But just to be clear, for most EVs that you buy today, you still get federal tax incentives as you get a tax credit um, uh, of $7,500 um, or lower, depending on the depending on the manufacturer it's it's a little bit complicated i don't want to go in detail, into details right now so you should you should figure out if you're interested in buying an ev what the tax credit would be for yourself and then obviously gas savings uh you don't need to pay for gas anymore uh, electricity is not free but it's significantly cheaper um in terms of dollar per mile than what you would have to put into your ice car so you over its lifetime you will save a lot of money on gas and the overall maintenance of the car too Right. Actually, I think this is probably a good transition <laughs> even into the next section. So what are some of the benefits of an EV um, compared to an ICE car? And low maintenance is definitely one of them. An electric motor has significantly less moving parts than a gas motor has. And so um, there's a bunch of stuff that you simply don't have to do with an EV. Um, so you don't have to go and get your oil changed. There's no transmission that can break down, right? There's no crankshaft. No fan that belts can... that you have to replace. Yeah. In fact, Tesla has recently announced that you don't have to bring their cars in for regular maintenance at all anymore. So they're so confident in the longevity of their engine and their motors that they basically don't require you to have checkups at all anymore. What about your brakes? You still have to get your brakes done. No, you don't. What, are the brakes electric too? Yes, and they charge the car when you brake. So you never have to get... Your brakes done, rear or okay, just so, learn something new. So electric vehicles have what's called regenerative braking. When you um, release the foot from the gas, 
now I did it as well from the accelerator. The the car will immediately so basically in the motor you have you have magnets, right? And if you stop accelerating, those magnets will start taking velocity energy out of the vehicle and putting it back into the battery. So basically the car slows down and charges the battery doing so. There's no mechanical parts touching each other doing this. So this is simply magnetism slowing down the car and charging your batteries. So what happens is the car functions more economically and you don't have any wear and tear on any brakes or anything like that. Okay, so I literally just learned something new. What you're telling me is we don't have to do any maintenance on the car. Yes. I was under the impression that, well, yes, it's an electronic motor. There were still other parts on the vehicle that would have to get serviced. I never fully, I mean, I understood what regenerative braking was and, or in that it charged the vehicle, but I didn't understand how it did it. I didn't realize that it wasn't like an actual brake, which as you explain, it makes sense now. So briefly talked about that. There's no transmission in the car that needs to get serviced. Another thing that another benefit of this is that there's no transmission tunnel in the car either. So that it's in most ICE cars, you have that where the center console sits and where where this, uh, the middle seat in the back row is. You have that like weird kind of hump, mm-hmm. right? And makes it really uncomfortable to sit in the center seat. Um, with electric vehicles, you generally don't have that because there is no transmission. Um, and if there's rear wheel drive, you generally have a second motor or the motor directly in the back. The The electric motors, they're so small, they're the size of a shoebox, maybe two shoeboxes or something. You can just put the motor where the wheels are. So that gives you a lot of more space in the back more row seat. It's more comfortable to sit there. Have a question or something to say? Join the community discussion by following us on Twitter at Unmarried Media. Use hashtag HU004 to discuss this episode. We touched on the fuel costs. Um, so it depends a little bit on your car's efficiency, both the EV as well as the, the gas car. And it depends on how much you pay for electricity where you live. Um, but in general, across the US, EVs are significantly cheaper to fuel than, than gas cars. So it's easy 50% or more that you will save on fuel, um, even 75% or more. And if you are lucky enough to have solar on your roof, you can get away entirely for free with charging your car. There's a, a pretty neat web app created by Ben, ben Solens from Teslanomic. You can basically plug in your numbers for how much you drive, how much you pay for gas, where you live, and it will calculate for you how much money you can save from switching to an EV. I'll put the link uh, in the description for that as well. And then EVs are also incredibly quiet. The engine barely makes any noise. There's no big kind of like explosion firing machine thing in the front of the car. They're freakishly quiet. Yeah. It's like a ninja car. Right. Sneak up. <laughs> like, yeah, better watch out if you've got teens living in your house because they'll easily just sneak that car right out of the driveway. <laughs> yeah. The only thing they can when they can hear is like if you really put down the accelerator and like go quick, you can hear that high pitch kind of like electricity sounds like <laughs> if you like our podcast please leave us a review on itunes and don't forget to subscribe so i did mention earlier that you are somewhat of a tesla fanboy and i may not know a lot about evs but i do know that teslas are without a doubt the best electric vehicles currently out there so i think it makes sense if we talk in detail a little bit about what we like about tesla specifically 
I think one of the most important things when when looking at Tesla specifically uh, and in the context of other EVs is how far ahead Teslas are. So their electric motors, their battery technology um, is significantly more efficient, cheaper to produce, more lightweight, and um, generally better than that of any other um, EV automaker out there currently. So they, they achieve a significantly higher efficiency. Um, there's a, this really cool chart that shows um, battery electric vehicle efficiency compared to each other, and Tesla far outperforms all the others. Um, I'll put a link in the description for that. Um, and then Teslas by far have higher range, better performance, and better charging. Um, so the battery So they're, they're superchargers. So yeah, so the, for one, Teslas have access to the supercharger network, which is a big boon, but also they can simply charge faster. Mm. One other amazing thing about Teslas, um, and this is true compared to any other automaker out there, not just other EV automakers, is the fact that they get over-the-air updates. What so does that mean? Tesla develops and improves the software that runs in the car. So you you may have seen like a Model 3 has this big center display. Um, in fact, it doesn't have any dashboard. All your controls, all the um, your current speed, uh, your indicator information, what whatnot, all of that information is in that center console. And so the car runs software. It runs the infotainment system software, but it also runs the autopilot software. And since the entire motor is entirely electric it's basically just a big piece of software as well it's a computer on wheels right the entire car is basically a computer on on wheels but the amazing thing about this is now that tesla can actually update the car and each of those components that includes the software for the motor the software for the autopilot as well as the infotainment software over there so you will wake up one morning and the car will say hey there's an update you want to install it and you do it from your phone and you do it from your phone yeah yeah um, so you hit a yes button, and then the car installs the update, and then you go to your car, and it has new software. So it's not going to do what Windows does, though. And in the middle of driving your car, it's going to say, time for a Windows update. And then you say, no, Tesla, I don't want an update. And then it says, sorry, we're going to update anyway. And then turn off your <laughs> please, car. Please pull over. <laughs> it, it's, it's not going to do that. No, it's not going to do that. Got it. But so this is the thing, right? When you hear software update where you think, oh yeah, cool, I'll get a new button here in my infotainment system or something, right? But what it can also do is, again, update the software for the autopilot or update the software for the motor. So I have recently, in a software update to the car, gotten a 5% performance improvement of the car. So my car now is 5% quicker than it was before, which is mind-blowing. And that's to actually get added value to your vehicle after you've purchased it is pretty much unheard of and non-existent when you're talking about it. So Tesla is the only automaker that currently has the ability to do over-the-air software to the car. Every other automaker, if they want to do any software update, you have to bring it into the garage. Oh, I didn't know that. So another great point for Tesla's is all three of their mainstream cars, the SDX and the Model 3, been rated um, the safest cars ever. So they all got um, a lowest probability of injury in the uh, NHTSA um, uh, crash tests outperforming every other car. So the top three cars on that list are all Teslas. Safest vehicles out there. Right? Yeah, they all have five-star crash test ratings. And because of a lot of their safety features, both in terms of structural, uh, so not having a, 
a motor in the front of the car. So basically, if you crash another car into a wall, there's a big chunk of metal that will like penetrate into the driver cabin and and do a lot of damage, right? No such thing with a Tesla. It just crunches. Right, it just crunches. And then the battery pack that is in the floor is in a very solid, rigid case. So it actually absorbs a lot of the, the impact as well. Then it has a lot of software features, right? It has automatic emergency braking and stuff like that that increase safety significantly mm-hmm. as well. I'll put a link to uh, some of this data in the description as well, so you can check that out. In terms of safety features, I briefly mentioned the battery pack. The battery pack is really heavy. So in fact, <clears throat> electric vehicles in general are significantly heavier than ICE cars because of all the batteries. And and you would assume that this makes the car very sluggish and slow and kind of like um, not very nice to drive. But the reality is that because the battery pack is in the floor, it actually has a very, very low center of gravity. And a low center of gravity will actually give the car a much better handling. It will give it really nice cornering performance. So you can fly around corners with a Tesla, no problem. There's actually this video, which was from one of the crash tests of a Model X, where they they basically accelerate the car sideways. And a lot, a lot of SUVs have this problem that when they, when, when they turn onto two wheels, they tip over. Mm-hmm. Right, so this kind of tests that behavior. So the Model X is like accelerated sideways and then basically like pushed into like a, a sandbank. And it just like it starts tipping over and then stands on two wheels and it just goes back, back down, down again. Because it pulls it down with the right. weight of the battery. Yeah. Another great thing about Teslas, and I think this is probably the the most out there sci-fi, but also kind of like most amazing thing, is their their autopilot system. So every Tesla that you buy today comes with the autopilot um, by default. So autopilot basically is a advanced lane keeping assist as well as adaptive cruise control system with navigate on autopilot, which is part of the full self-driving package. Um, it can also do other things. For example, it can automatically overtake traffic on the highway if it if the other traffic is slower. It can that that that's, that means change lanes for my fellow Americans. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, so it can change lanes to drive around slower traffic, um, and it will na- navigate for you. So you if you put in your destination in the navigation system, the car as long as all the roads are highways, will automatically take off ramps and, and transfer roads to get to the destination that you have typed, that you've put in um, without any, you needing to do anything. The only thing that you need to do is keep your hands on a steering wheel and pay attention because the system right now as it is, is not yet full self-driving in the sense of that you can just like go asleep or, or pass out or whatever. Right. I think that we hear a lot of misinformation too about electronic vehicles, specifically Teslas and autopilots, and kind of people thinking that that's something that they can do, like like sleep and eat and watch sh- TV while they're they're driving. Right. But uh, to ensure that you are driving safely, you do need to keep your hands uh, on the steering. steering wheel and you need to be alert and aware right. of... That said, if you commute a lot, and I have, I have a 45 to 60 minute commute each direction every day, it's great. It's so much easier than, than driving yourself, even if you have to pay attention. You get to work and you're so much more relaxed than if you drove yourself. So all of that said, the car technically has all the hardware to do full self-driving, meaning you can pass out in the car and you do not have to pay attention. So it has all the sensors that are for, required for it, as well as 
um, the newer Model 3, Model S, Model X, they have an upgraded computer system that is 10 times more capable than the previous computer system that has also the processing power to, to deliver on this. So Tesla is currently working on this and have announced that they want to roll this out with an over-the-air software update by the end of the year. There are obviously still legal limitations and Tesla is notoriously known for missing its own deadline. So maybe it'll be next year instead of this year. Under-delivering, over-promising. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, this is going to come and it'll be game-changing and mind-blowing. This will allow you to do incredible things. For example, we have this problem where you need to take your car to the train station every day and then you park it there and it sits there for the entire day uh, costing you money because you have to pay for that parking, mm-hmm. right? And and then you get home in the evening to drive it back home. So you drive it like for two miles a day or three right. miles, but the car is being used the entire day. Switch in full self-driving. You get into your car and if you if you fancy, you can drive it yourself to the train station, right? But instead of parking it, you just drive up at the train station, you get out and the car then drives back home by itself. Now I, that leaves the house a little bit later, can take the car to work. Basically what it does, it improves the utilization of the cars that you have. A lot of families have two or three cars these days, right? With something like this, you can probably get away with only one or maybe two cars um, for most families. So we, we talked about all these benefits of the EVs and Teslas in general, but driving the Tesla, the one thing that it will do for the rest of your life, and this is the one thing that this nobody what, will ever be able to give back to you again. And this is what you struggled with the most, I think, when we talked about needing to buy a new car. Right. Um, yeah. Is it will completely spoil the driving experience of any other car than an EV for you. If you... If you've driven an EV for a couple of weeks and you get back into a gas car, you're like, what is this shit? Right. Join us next time and we'll discuss au pairs and the value that they add to your family. Do not miss that or any other episode. Subscribe to a podcast on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. In the end, we decided, you know, based off all this information and the discussions that we had, that we were going to go ahead and look to purchase an electric vehicle. However, we were then confronted with the fact that we want a very specific con- configuration of being able to fit three adults and two children in a a car and so we looked at the options um in the ev market for crossover suvs with six seats or more and it turned out that all the crossover suvs that are on the market are coming to the market soon in the ev market that is none of them have six seats or more with one notable exception which is the tesla model x right that's why we decided to 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 move forward and buy a Model X. Yeah, but before you go and put in your order for your EV, uh, there are a couple things that you should consider. Yeah, so we, we we talked about a bunch of the preconceptions and they generally don't stand up to scrutiny, but there are a couple of things that differentiate EVs from normal gas cars. And if you've never bought an EV before, you may not know what you should be looking for and what you should keep in mind. So we want to kind of briefly go over some of those things so that you do not get blindsided by any of them. Uh, So one of the first things that you'll want to consider when you're shopping around for an electric vehicle is just the overall range. So 200 miles or more should be be enough. Uh, if if you feel that 200 miles or more are is not enough, then you'll want to go with a, a longer range option. So, uh, for example, that you know the Model S long range uh, would cover that. Uh, 
the other thing would be, you know, your ability to charge your car at home. Uh, you'll want to install some kind of charger, whether that's in the driveway uh, or in your garage. I think this is this one is the important one. If you do not have the ability to charge your car at home, owning an EV becomes significantly more cumbersome. So if you do not have a garage or a driveway, and maybe you have a shared parking spot or something, um, maybe you, you're you living in an apartment, you can always try to get your landlord to convince them to install EV charging. But if you do not have the ability at all to charge at home, or in, some people have the ability to charge at, at work. work. Um, so if you don't have a convenient place to charge daily, the EV option may not be the right choice. Right. But if you do have a place to install um, a charging unit, then an electrician can come and easily install a 240 volt outlet or a wall charger for a couple hundred dollars. Another aspect that you want to consider is if your EV supports DC fast charging. So that's the level three charging that we talked about briefly earlier. If you ever want to go on a road trip or exceed the rated range of your vehicle in a single day without being able to park it for the night and charge Mm -hmm. it for the night, um, you will need DC fast charging. Um, And not all electric vehicles support that. Um, For some, they don't support it at all. Some have it as an upgrade, as an option. Um, That said, Teslas, all of them support DC fast charging. In addition to that, um, Teslas also have access to the Tesla Supercharger Network, which is the largest and most accessible accessible um, fast charging option in the world. The last thing, if you want to buy a Tesla, please use our referral code. Uh, it'll give you a, a thousand miles of free supercharging. Actually, it will give both of us, you guys and us, a thousand miles of free supercharging and a chance to win a another Tesla. So uh, I'll put the referral link in the description below. We would love if you could do that. So thanks a lot for letting us inform you a little bit about Teslas and EVs in general. Are you considering buying an EV or even already driving one? What do you like best about them? Let us know on Twitter at Unmarried Media. And if your batteries haven't run out yet, make sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. I am Daniel. And I'm Danielle. And, and we're we are happily, happily unmarried. unmarried.